Welcome to ePod, a podcast from the UW-Madison's College of Engineering's Office of Interdisciplinary Professional Programs. These podcasts are focused on big ideas in engineering and the people behind them. My name is Justin Kyle Bush, and I am your host. On today's episode, Susan Ottman talks to Dr. Barry Van Veen from the UW-Madison's Electrical and Computer Engineering Department about machine learning and why it's important for engineers focused on data. Barry also discusses the engineering perspective on data science, data analytics, versus a computer science view, as well as why signal processing is such a hot area of study today. Take it away, Susan. Barry, welcome. Good morning, Susan. It's great to be here today. Before we start, Barry, please give us your view on the data analytics program. Well, data has come to be such a central uh, issue in our world today uh, from a decision-making standpoint, as well as all through all aspects of engineering, just you know, trying to understand how uh, systems are behaving, how processes are performing and so on. So, uh, and it's, it's, this has emerged over with time, but over the last decade or so, and it's, it's uh, certainly a skill that people who earned uh, degrees a number of years ago may not have had the opportunity to develop in their uh, studies. So the, the program gives students a great opportunity to catch up on some of the latest tools and techniques for um, working with data, drawing inferences from data, understanding it and being savvy about uh, modern tools and computer methods for um, assessing data. So I think that it, it plays an important role uh, given just the way the field has evolved and the importance of data in engineering today. Let's dive a bit deeper and talk about machine learning and why that's important for engineers who are focused on data today. Well, it's, you know, machine learning, uh, first of all, let's talk about what machine learning is uh, because it's a buzzword sometimes that may not have a lot of meaning to folks, but uh, we can teach a computer to recognize patterns and to learn uh, in the same way that humans do, right? So how do we learn? We learn by seeing lots of examples and, um, you know, we kind of do this instinctively when we're children. Uh, you know, we see patterns on a page and we learn what words mean. We see, uh, you know, we learn grammar. We uh, see pictures and we can tell the difference between a cat and a dog. And those are all things that we can uh, have machines learn as well. Um, and, and so the, the thing is, is that data, there's such a huge volume of data that we are able to collect and store now and so on. It's just impossible for any one person to be able to um, carefully analyze all that data using the power of their human brain, right? And I mean, we've, we've all, as engineers, we've been using uh, calculators for a really long time because it's uh, so much more effective than computing, right? So. Um, machine learning allows us to uh, automate the handling of data. Um, 
much the same way that we can use uh, robots, for example, to automate manufacturing. So it, it really is uh, enabling things like self-driving cars and uh, all sorts of systems like that, where we want to be able to analyze vast volumes of data by a computer and make uh, good decisions in a short period of time. That's a great description and really helpful. What's unique about your machine learning course and the reason that you focus on the fundamentals? Well, um, so the, the course that I teach a lot and that I've, I've worked on in terms of creating the, the online curriculum is, uh, it's, the title is somewhat indicative of the topic, right? It's called Matrix Methods in Machine Learning. And um, there's a lot of math behind the way that we teach machines to learn and the way that we, um, uh, you know, develop algorithms for, for that process. So matrices, if you recall, uh, and don't have, uh, you know, nightmares thinking, hearing the word, right? But matrices are just a collection of numbers in um, a rectangular format. Right, so rows and columns. We're used to tables. You can think of tables as matrices, and uh, there's a lot of math on studying how different columns, or studying how to manipulate and what you can learn about ordered arrangements of data. The, a big part of machine learning is recognizing patterns in data. Okay, and so uh, we we want to understand. For example, um, what kind of patterns are there across the rows of this data? So we might have a case where, I mean, the classic example is the Netflix problem um, where uh, we have a whole bunch of movies and um, then we have a whole bunch of individuals that have watched and, rate and watched those movies. And so we have a matrix of ratings, right? And we'd like to understand what the patterns are so that we can make predictions of uh, what movie you might like, okay? You've liked these other three movies and we've seen that there's all these other people that have liked these same three movies and have also liked a fourth one. So maybe you'd like that fourth one. Okay, that's a simplified uh, example, but there's patterns in this data and we want to be able to extract those patterns. And uh, matrix math, linear algebra is, the tool of choice for extracting those patterns from the data. So a lot of times students, um, and there's a number of different branches of engineering where this is the case, a lot of times they'll take a, a linear algebra class in, uh, from a math department. And um, it just seems like totally, you know, uh, theoretical ideas and abstract and spend all this time proving that something is a vector space. Well, when you take a class uh, like the one we teach on matrix methods and machine learning, um, you're gonna be learning that same, that same kind of math stuff, but it's applied to actual real problems and showing how you can use these concepts like eigen decomposition, singular value decomposition, uh, solving least squares problems, uh, rank and subspaces, and how those actually have meaning in real problems. And a lot of students find that to be um, a really useful way to learn 
the underlying mathematics is to do so in the context of a, of a current application. And they also find that um, they're much better prepared then when they go into, you know, to use these, these tools for machine learning that are out there, having an understanding of what's sort of under the hood and what are the fundamental principles that allow these things to work allows you to make, you know, to intelligently use the tools. And it allows you to, you know, hopefully make decisions like, hey, this doesn't quite make sense. I wonder what might there. I wonder if this situation is applying that we talked about, where I can't trust the result. Okay, so understanding the fundamentals puts you in a great position then to be a uh, not, you know, to be a a very uh, effective user of these tools, and uh, not just treat it as a magic black box. I definitely hear that from our students, the applied nature of the course, both understanding the fundamentals, but then applying it allows them to learn. And I think as adults, it's how we learn. We learn by applying. There is some confusion out there between the engineering perspective on data science and data analytics versus the computer science view. What do you see as the difference between these two? Well, this is a... Uh... Uh, it's an interesting question. It's one that I get um, a lot uh, from students. And uh, I, I, I have both students, I have engineering students taking uh, my classes. I have a lot of computer science students taking these classes. And um, generally the, you know, the engineering students or the engineering perspective on data science is driven a lot more by the uh, fundamentals and by understanding, you know, why things work the way they do, right? Engineers are often asking why, <laughs> and um, so that we can be more effective at creating new things, right? Um, why does this work the way it does? Why is this part failing? What's wrong with, uh, you know, what, where's the issue in the manufacturing line? Um, we're, we're in the process of problem solving, we need to understand why. So I think that uh, one of the things you'll see is that in general is that an engineering perspective on data science is more um, driven from the fundamentals of understanding why, and it's, it's less driven by um, uh, things like, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, my stereotype, um, I, this is a stereotype, okay, I'm gonna admit it uh, right up front that this, this is a stereotype because I've had some, I've had some computer science students that um, are, I guess I'll call them secret engineers, but they're just, you know, outstanding students, right? But the, the classic thing I, I could see, and I can characterize in class, it kind of gives an illustration of the difference is that we'll have something and we'll be working on a problem in class and the engineering students are over here and they're trying to like sort of understand why it works that way and, and what's a special case and all that. And uh, the computer science students have gone out and they found a GitHub someplace and they've downloaded this software. They've installed it. They've got it running and they're feeding data into it and, you know, just making it using it. Um, so the I see that that's a kind of an exaggeration of sorts, but of the difference, okay? The engineers being much more focused on the why. The other thing that helps here is to understand the history. And engineers have been interested, gosh, forever in building things 
and in uh, designing better um, instruments, better machines, uh, better processes, and so on. And in the pro in order to do that, we built sensors, right? We build um, uh, electrical engineering, you're right, we talk a lot about, uh, I mean, we'll have these, um, right, your digital camera, there's a sensor, we're sensing the environment, the radar going back to the 40s and before, um, even processing, you know, communicating information by radio, all those things were, we're building environmental sensors. Um, you know, measuring uh, RPM on an engine, right? Uh, until I'm a, until I'm an electrical engineer, my um, examples outside of that field are uh, a little primitive, right? But engineers have been building systems that collect data and have been trying to use data to understand how things work for a really long time, and uh, you know the the uh, on the computer science uh, side, it's, you know, the explosion in uh, data analysis and data science has been fueled a lot by recent technology and, you know, things like Google, uh, amount of data that Google collects and Amazon and those kind of more modern things. And uh, so I think the engineer's perspective really is tied to a lot to the physical world and is tied to the why. And uh, that really distinguishes uh, the engineering perspective that I see, right? Is we're really tied to the physical world and to the why uh, things happen and how you know things work. Thanks for that explanation. I think we are problem solvers as engineers and the why is so important. Another area we find our students interested in is learning about signal processing. Now, I'm a mechanical engineer, so sometimes your work is a bit foreign to me. From a non-electrical engineer's perspective, what are the key components of signal processing and why is it important? Yeah, it, I, I sometimes joke that um, signal processing is what we used to call machine learning before machine learning was invented. And um, a lot of the, the mathematical tools that are used in signal processing are extremely similar uh, to the tools that we use in machine learning. Now, um, the thing about when we talk about a signal, Generally, we refer to um, some data that depends on uh, some other, on an underlying physical const construct, okay? So like if you're collecting data in time, in other words, I'm collecting samples of data and I'm processing those samples uh, sequentially, or I, you know, like my, the voice that's being recorded right now, right? There's a bunch of samples of that sound that are being, are being stored and they're stored as a function of time. If you think of a picture, the values of those pixels occur as a function of position, okay? So there's some underlying physical aspect to the world uh, to that, that's meaningful to that data. And that's what where the term signal comes in, okay? I think about that as distinguished, as distinct from the kind of um, ratings data that I mentioned earlier where, uh, you know, users are rating products or movies or something. 
you know, there's no underlying uh, physical notion of something like time or space that um, is associated with that data. It's just, it's just data unconnected from uh, a physical construct. So that's really where the whole idea of a, a signal comes from. So signal processing is, uh, refers to a set of tools that can be used to analyze data where um, the data is collected over time, for example, or over space. Uh, and, and most commonly it's, it's those two cases. But if you can, the kind of tools that you, I mean, there are some special tools that apply when you have this dependence on time or on space. Uh, and, um, but the tools that apply more broadly to data, which is devoid of that construct of any link to that sort of physical connection, um, also apply to data that is a function of time. So the uh, signal processing realm generally includes um, an additional set of tools and ideas that allow you to exploit either say the time dependence or the spatial dependence of those signals uh, and of, or data, as I should say, the, the spatial or time dependence of that data. So I don't, I don't know if that helps Susan um, make that a little clearer, but uh, more clear, but uh, it, it's basically signal tends to imply there's some underlying physical um, uh, quantity that is linking the various data that you collect. Yeah, I, I find it very clear. I find it fascinating as well. So each time I do one of these podcasts, I learn quite a bit. But before we go, is there anything else you'd like to tell our prospective students listening to this podcast or others just interested in learning more about machine learning or data analytics and its application in the industry? Well, um, I, I, yeah, you know, being a professor, I'm used to talking 75 minutes at a time, so I could go on for a long time about this, but a couple of things. Um, one thing that, that comes to mind that was sort of a, uh, a uh, eureka moment uh, for me as someone who's been, you know, working on this stuff since the 80s uh, was in, I think it was fall of 2019, when Apple announced their iPhone 11, um, it was actually interesting to me because one of my hobbies is uh, photography. And so I was, I was pretty interested in the camera and the technology that they were using in the, in the iPhone 11, which, um, and what was, what was absolutely fascinating is they were touting their technology in a public advertisement as uh, <laughs> being based on the, the, the phone having a neural engine using machine learning. And they were talking in there, again, this is a public facing ad, okay, for the general public. They're talking about how many matrix computations uh, their, um, the chipset in this iPhone 11 could pull off in, in a certain amount of time. And uh, I never thought I would see the day where um, matrix computations and things like, you know, were, were, would show up in a uh, public facing advertisement. So uh, 
I guess you could maybe, you know, maybe the thing is, if I'm really brutally honest, um, maybe I've just been insecure all these years and Apple final, finally validated my existence, but uh, I'm joking about that. But uh, that was pretty remarkable. And I think, you know, you don't have to look far to see the, the pervasive nature of um, just being able to analyze data. I mean, you know, um, the whole medical realm, which is an area that I've, I've uh, been emphasizing in my career the last, I don't know, since at least 2000, uh, you know, how do we like, like looking for cancer and radiological images? I mean, that's something that's just taking off from a machine learning standpoint. And, um, uh, you know, one of the, you mentioned earlier, my interest in developing algorithms for better understanding how the brain functions. Well, one of the things we do is we, we try to build network models for the human brain. Like, so how do different areas of the brain interact with one another to accomplish uh, certain cognitive tasks and other things like how does the network connectivity of the brain disrupted when you lose consciousness, such as when you go to sleep or, or experience anesthesia. And, uh, you know, um, there's just, if you look at you, the things we can measure today have just with things like fMRI or even older technologies like electroencephalography, things we can measure about the brain are really quite astounding. And you quickly generate data that um, overwhelms you in terms of any sort of, uh, you know, human interpretation. So, uh, these kind of techniques are just everywhere, right? You don't have to look far. Think about self-driving cars. Think about um, intelligent um, inventory management, you know, in a factory. All this is, is data-driven. And I, I think that um, we are going to be in for uh, the age of data is going to be here for quite a while. So uh, I see it as a really rich opportunity um, I personally, my entire career, um, I've gotten to work on all sorts of different problem application areas from acoustics to wireless communication to medical imaging uh, and so on. And it's just been an incredibly rich career. And it, what has linked all those things are the tools that I have that allow me that I use to analyze data. OK, so that's been super fun. And um, I've really, uh, I think that that's likely to be uh, the case for the foreseeable future. We're going to have, you know, the power of these tools is growing and the breadth of their applications is growing. It's just going to create a lot of opportunities. Okay. That wasn't quite 75 minutes, but I think I came close, so I better quit. I find your view of the world of data stimulating and know that you're helping our students and so many companies um, in this very complex arena. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate you talking to us and informing us on these very intriguing topics. Thank you for listening to ePod. For more episodes, visit interpro.wis.edu slash podcast. And if you enjoyed this, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share.